You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. A reading from the Gospel of John. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Loving God, you have so made us that we cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. Give us a hunger for your word, and in that food, satisfy our daily need through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I view my presence with you here today as something of a homecoming. Not because I've been here before, but because in my early high school years, I came to faith through a local Episcopal church in Falls Church, Virginia. Encountering God's love for me in Christ through that church changed everything about the trajectory of my life and I'll be forever grateful for its ministry to me. And in fact, my rector will be here in a couple weeks to preach in this series. Now, I'll confess that I was something of a prodigal in my college years. I rebelled against the confines of tradition and liturgy by choosing non-denominational churches. But right after I graduated from the University of Virginia, the lavish love of the Father drew me back to the Episcopal Church through a lovely church in Charlottesville where Paul Walker was our associate rector immediately before he came to join you here for a few years. When I moved to St. Andrews, Scotland for graduate school, I immediately found St. Andrews Episcopal Church of St. Andrews, known around town as St. Andrews, St. Andrews. While there, I also found a husband, a fellow graduate student, who was ordained, sadly, not in the Episcopal Church, but in a little Dutch Reformed denomination, the Reformed Church in America, which took us from St. Andrews to Holland, Michigan, and that's when I joined a church in that denomination, and I now teach in one of the RCA's seminaries. So being at the Advent feels like coming home to my faith roots and to my family, 
And after hearing so much about you through the years, it is truly a pleasure to be here worshiping with you. Have you noticed a rise in the use of the word grit in recent years? I confess I'm quite intrigued by new words and phrases that seem to rise on the scene, like lean in a few years back, FOMO, fear of missing out. One of my son's favorites is GOAT, greatest of all time. Self-care, which made it into the Merriam-Webster Dictionary in 2018, and bingeable, which means suitable for binge-watching. Not that I have any first-hand experience with that one. <laughs> Grit is a word that seems to have skyrocketed in recent years, in part because of a book bearing that title that quickly became a New York Times bestseller. Published by MacArthur Genius Grant, recipient Angela Duckworth, who interestingly enough grew up being told by her father that she was not a genius, the book explains that a combination of passion and perseverance has more to do with long-term success than innate talent or genius. And the shorthand for this combination of passion and perseverance is grit. As a side note, I personally loved seeing the subtitle to Duckworth's book, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. My co-author and I, on a recent book, had to beg our editors to let us use the word perseverance in the title of our book. We had really wanted that word in the title itself, but our editorial team was convinced it would be a turnoff to potential readers. So we compromised with the subtitle of where passion meets perseverance. It's close to Duckworth, Duckworth but don't worry, there was no plagiarism, ours came out before. Um, but I felt vindicated when I saw her best-selling title in our conviction that perseverance really does matter. Perseverance, passion, grit, sticking with something for the long haul. These are variations of a key word from the passage we read from the Gospel of John. Abide. Abide. Duckworth is interested in what it takes for someone to succeed over the long haul. In this passage, Jesus is interested in what it takes for someone to take root in him for the long haul. This is one of those aspects of our faith that it's important to ponder. What does it take for our faith in Christ to be so deeply rooted that by the grace of God it can last for the long haul, through the ups and downs of life, the realities of suffering and injustice, the pain we encounter in the world, and sometimes in the church itself? In part, we ask this question based on our own experience, for surely we've known people, people we love, who've left the faith or left the church. Rooted in my own story, this is a big one for me. As I mentioned earlier, I came to faith in Christ through a local Episcopal church. This church had a youth group that ended up becoming a paragon of success, growing from 20 or so youth group kids to 300 or so by the time I graduated, and ultimately growing larger than that. We had student leadership, discipleship groups run by older, wiser mentors in the faith, a lot of emphasis on outreach and sharing the faith, tremendous involvement in weekly and annual events. And yet as I've watched through the years, I've personally seen very few of my peers from that time and even very few of the younger people I helped to, di to disciple there abide. 
I also know many families who are brokenhearted because their children have left the faith as they've grown older. I've sat with mothers and fathers a generation or two older than me, weeping over this reality, wondering what they or their churches might have done differently to help their children's faith last into adulthood. This often-seen reality has prompted many studies and articles, from the CNN piece that went viral a few years back on why millennials are leaving the church, to Fuller Youth Institute's long-term study of what it takes for churches to cultivate sticky faith. That's their term for faith that abides and bears fruit. There's a related conversation going on outside the church world connected to how those committed to justice-seeking and activism persevere. Late one night as I was driving home from a speaking commitment in Chicago, I listened to Krista Tippett, who hosts On Being. She was, in this instance, hosting a conversation with Parker Palmer and Courtney Martin about the importance of soul care to avoid justice burnout. Courtney Martin had graduated from college with a determination to save the world. She learned very quickly that little she did made an impact. She retreated from public life to make sense of what happened before regrouping and returning with a vengeance, committed to empowering people in her Gen Y demographic to become activists for the long haul. She has since written and edited five books, consults for TED and other organizations, and has co-founded at least four social enterprises. Martin does not operate with Christian convictions, but she has in essence spent the last 15 years exploring secular variations of the questions related to how we bear fruit and how we abide. All of this is to say John 15 comes to us today in the midst of a robust cultural conversation about what it takes to persevere, to have grit. The questions underlying this passage may take new shape given today's particular dynamics, but the questions themselves are timeless. When we turn to look directly at the passage, one striking thing we see is that abiding in Christ cannot be separated from bearing fruit. Neither one is optional. Abide in me as I abide in you. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. As one commentator writes, bearing fruit and being Jesus' disciple are not two different actions, but a single action. The first is the outward sign of the second. Or as we read in 1 John, God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. And those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. As important as I find these questions about how our faith in Christ can last, this passage reminds us that we don't hold this faith for our own sake. It's not for the sake of our own deep roots but we abide in order to glorify God by bearing fruit in the world. The Lord promises to us the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, but not just so we can become better people, more peaceful, more patient, more kind, but so that we can live as God's people in this world, bearing witness with our love and joy and peace, loving one another and by God's grace bearing fruit that will last. As John Stott remarks in his reflections on this passage, 
We should beware of interpretations of this passage which, which concentrate solely on our inward relationship with the Lord. Its real thrust is the renewal of the mission of Israel through Jesus the Messiah and the disciple community. It is by involvement in mission and becoming fruit bearers that we show ourselves to be authentic disciples. So the call to abide in Christ is simultaneously a call to join in Christ's mission in the world. His ongoing mission to reconcile all things and to make all things new. Looking back upon some of my friends who've left the faith through the years, I can say that it was in some cases because they had only been given half the story. They received the gospel as good news for them in their own lives, but they didn't also see it as an invitation to participate in God's ongoing mission in their communities and neighborhoods and the world through their entire lives and callings. Increasing numbers of American Christians have been realizing that the gospel they were given is much smaller than what we see in scripture itself. Jesus' invitation to join him now in seeking the kingdom and justice and righteousness is much more compelling than a gospel that's just about me abiding for the sake of my eternal life in the age to come. And yet, this passage reminds us that we can't just focus on seeking his kingdom and seeking justice without the abide piece. We cannot summon this love for our brothers and sisters. We cannot bear fruit. We cannot seek justice on our own. Just like a branch cannot bear fruit by itself but needs to abide in the vine, so we cannot bear fruit on our own. But thanks be to God, we're not on our own. We live in Christ by the Spirit, who gives us the power both to abide and to bear fruit. As Gisela Kreglinger notes in her beautiful study of scripture and wine, this imagery suggests the most intimate union between Jesus and his disciples. You may know Gisela. She spent years living here in Birmingham, occasionally worshipped here, and regularly returns to visit. Gisela grew up on a winery in Germany before entering into the study of theology. She brings those parts of her life together in her breathtaking book, The Spirituality of Wine. Gisela reminds us that the original hearers of this passage in John, living in an agricultural context in which vineyards were everywhere, would have understood why branches need to abide in the vine. For, she writes, it's the sap that the rootstock produces and brings up through the vine into the branches that sustains the branches of the vine and keeps them alive. Without this connection between vine and branch, the branch cannot live. It certainly cannot bear any fruit. So the deep union we share with Christ by being rooted in him is an invitation to life, life eternal, and also life that bears fruit right here and right now by the sustaining and persevering grace of God in Christ. In order to bear fruit, we need not only to abide in Christ the vine, but this passage tells us there must also be pruning. John writes, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. 
Gisela invites us to better understand this pruning imagery by listening to vintners, for whom pruning is an important and consistent part of their work. The purpose of pruning is not simply to cut back the branch, but to enable more abundant and beautiful fruit to emerge. By most vintners, this work is undertaken with a posture of love that seeks the well-being of the vine and is attentive to what the vine needs in order to flourish and bear fruit. And yet there is struggle involved. As Kreglinger writes, it's quite remarkable that scripture often compares the spiritual life to the life of plants and their need to become rooted in fertile soil in order to flourish. Life in the soil is a struggle. The living microorganisms that make up the life of the soil undergo a regular cycle of growth, death, and decay in order for new growth to happen. Scripture invites us to understand our lives in this cycle of growth, death, decay, and renewed life. Jesus explains his own suffering and death in light of this cycle of death and decay that leads to new life and multiplied growth. This imagery comes to life, does it not, in this Lenten season in which we reflect on and prepare to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Indeed, there's a tradition of medieval art portraying Christ in the wine press. The crushing and pressing of the grapes are seen as parallel to Christ's sacrificial death. And the crushed grapes are sometimes portrayed as flowing into the communion chalice. The stream of wine represents the unending fountain of God's grace, flowing from the divine winepress and bringing cleansing and healing to the church. This unending fountain of grace is what truly enables us to abide, to persevere, to have grit, and even to bear fruit in the midst of this world's brokenness. If the world didn't have suffering or hardship, we wouldn't need language of grit and perseverance. But following Christ day in and day out, in the midst of a world that so regularly seems to testify to death more than life, is not easy. Seeking to bear fruit in a world that so often seems filled more with decay than growth is a challenge on our own. This is why we need Christ in every hour of every day. This is why it's such a gift to be invited to abide in Christ, to receive the sustaining and nourishing love of God in Christ in every moment of our lives. There's one other thing that we need to know about the grapevine that the original hearers would have known. The grapevine is unique amongst food-producing plants in its ability to grow and bear fruit in the most adverse circumstances. Stony soil, steep hills, it's in fact most productive in places where little else will grow. Sort of like the cross. The last place you would expect to be the source of life But in Christ, we not only have new life ourselves, but rooted in Christ, we have the strength and the power to love one another as Christ has loved us. Depending on God, rooted in Christ, abiding in Christ, 
we can find the grittiness to bear the fruit of God's love in this broken world. Thanks be to God. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.